Hallelujah. Well, are you ready for the word of the Lord? You ready for the word of the Lord? Praise God. Well, I got about half of you the first time and another fourth the next time. I'd like to get all of you. Are you ready for the word of the Lord tonight? Hallelujah. That's much better. Praise God. Well, ready or not, here it comes. Hallelujah. Amen. Brother Goff, we love you. What a blessing. What a blessing you and your family are. I cannot say it enough. I cannot say it enough how much we love and appreciate you and, uh, and the work that you do. Amen. We appreciate it. You and your wife and your kids. Praise God, all of you. I want you to come tonight. I just want you to obey the Holy Ghost. Give us what God has given to you tonight. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It is indeed an honor to be able to serve the congregation tonight and deliver the word of God that he has laid on my heart. And I don't take it lightly, this opportunity to grace this sacred desk and be able to bring myself here and let God deliver a word that he's um, given for his people to speak the words um, that he would desire for all of us to hear. And uh, I want to Thank each and every one of you for being in the house of God tonight. I know it's a holiday weekend, um, but you know what? God still has church on holiday weekends. He still touches lives and changes them. He still fills people with the Holy Ghost. He still does miracles, signs and wonders. It all happens even on holiday weekends. Amen, amen. Well, I appreciate you, Bishop, all the kind words, and it's just an honor to be able to serve. And uh, I mean that from the depths of my heart. Amen. Well, I want to take us to a passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 22. It's probably going to be some familiar passages of Scripture you'll hear again tonight. That Bishop talked about this morning, but I can assure you, they were already written down in my notes long before Bishop handed me his notes. I didn't start scribbling furiously this afternoon with the notes he gave me. Amen. But you can check my notes here. You can carbon date my ink on my paper. I assure you it's not from today. Amen. We want to go to a familiar passage, Matthew, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. And verse. we'll go through verse 33. Amen. Matthew 22. Matthew chapter 14, verse 22, it says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get him to a ship and to go before him unto the other side. And while he sent the multitudes away, when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him 
and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Amen. Amen. If we could lay our Bibles down, asking God to reach down and touch each and every one of us with his word tonight. We love you, Jesus. We thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to give a brief disclaimer, if I could, at the very beginning. We're going to be talking about Peter. We're going to be talking about being in a boat. So if you get motion sickness, I would recommend the patch, Dramamine, whatever it is. Nothing that makes you sleep, nothing that makes you sleep, but I need the church to be with me tonight in the delivering of the Word of God. I, I'm not a puppeteer, Bishop didn't tell me what to preach, but I believe God has given us a word tonight. When I look back over the services that we have been having, and Bishop talked about it, Brother Chad Johnson talked about it as well, the services we've been having, God has been orchestrating us to these points in time, and the beautiful Word of God, as it begins to minister and talk to us, each and every one, God is laying out a clear path forward. These messages are not disconjointed. They are not one-off words of God. They are not from just, oh, I'll preach number 372 today, but God is giving fresh word to his church in these services. And I want to do my part to yield myself to his word and be changed by it as well. We have had powerful moves of God. We've had people get the Holy Ghost. Uh, we've had lives changed and we can recap all the different lives that's been impacted. And we've had the mighty power of God rest upon our services in such a special, rich, dense, life-changing way. But I would dare ask the question, now that you have God here, now what? Now that you have an audience with the King of King, now what? What is this church going to do now? You have lived for your moment, some of you, your entire walk with God for this moment in time. Now what? When is it that you're going to take that very next step that God is asking of His church tonight? If you will bear with me for just a moment to venture from my notes, but I feel to mention this, the Word of God is fresh and rich and full. 
And you can say, well, if I only had a new Bible, then I would fall in love with it again. If I only had this translation where I could understand it, I would fall in love with the Word of God again. And we have, in this time, we have the golden years of available resources to us as Christians. All of us probably have a Bible upon your smartphone. All of us have Bibles that exceed the quality of going beyond the scrolls and and the different um, uh, substrates that the Word of God has been recorded on through the years, and some only had portions of Scripture. But we have all 66 books in front of us tonight. What are you going to do with them? You're never going to be able to bedazzle Christianity enough to where you will then like it where you'll make it palatable, where you'll say, oh, it looks good. Now I have the right font, the right color. I have the line matching. Now I can then in and apply the word of God to my life. I dare say you have the almighty presence of God to reveal to you the treasures that's hidden in these pages. And you can have the Bible that cost us a dollar that we're giving away downstairs in the Sunday school rooms, and you can find salvation. And God can change your life through a cheap $1 Bible. There's power in the Word of God. You have the attention of God. And what are we going to do? What if the church was a one-time event? If we only had one church service to gather together to then go and make a difference in the world around us, I dare say our focus would be wrapped, wouldn't be wrapped up in the details of, oh, so-and-so sitting next to me, or I wore this outfit this day, or I'm tired of this song. But if you had one service to walk out the doors and make a difference in the lives around you, how would that service be? We talk a lot about knowing when your last service is, and as preachers, We bring this up from time to time because we do not know the end from the beginning. Only God does. But there is something you can change. There is something you can change. We're going to talk about your first service tonight. The title of my message is A Call to the Church. A Call to the Church. You may say, I have been going to church for years and How can I now go to church for the first time again? We find Nicodemus asks that very same question, saying, how can I enter again into my mother's womb? You see, God promised new life by by being born again of the water of the Spirit. What God wants from the church is to take a step beyond the stopping point that you have become accustomed to in your life where you've been comfortable each and every service. And call the church. We seem in our text, Peter was comfortable in the boat, but Jesus reached, beckoned him out into the waves as they seemed the winds and the waves. He had a vessel that Peter had been in time after time. The only thing that walked upon the water was Peter. Let me restate that. The only thing that we see written in the Word of God was Peter walking on the water. There was no life preservers wrapped around him. 
No one was holding his belt to drag him back in case he sank. He wasn't holding on to an oar to give him something to reach back to the boat. And how do we know? It's because Jesus reached down and grabbed him by the hand. If he had hands that were full of something, then Jesus would not have been able to reach him. If you understand what I'm saying, Peter was committed to the step. Peter put one leg over the bow and walked over and says, all right, I'm going to do this. And he stepped over the side fully committed. How committed are you tonight? Now let me go back to the prior point where we're going to talk about your first service. Before we do, let's talk a little bit about Peter. And because of how uh, exhaustive the Word of God talks about Peter, we can spend the rest of this message discussing the great man of God that God has blessed us with being archived within the Word of God. And we can talk about everything that happened with Peter, but we're going to talk about you. Your flesh would say, yeah, tell me another Bible story, Brother Goff. We're not going to do that tonight. We're going to talk about you. The Word of God has come to challenge you who have sit and become, say, church on Sunday night has been this threshold. If I get this level of chill, if I get this out of the service, then it's been a good service. But what about when God gets this out of you, when he gets this out of your life and this out of your prayer life and this out of your walk with him? God is trying to challenge the church today. Peter was a lifelong fisherman, and he had fished the waters countless times. And However, he had never, in all of his times, every trip that he had taken, he had never walked upon the surface of the water. And to a fisherman, the water that had fed him was a place of comfort and was so familiar and was a place that he longed to be while he was on land mending the nets. No doubt he would look out and see the smooth glassy waters and say, oh, I wish I was able to be out there. He was a true fisherman, able to go out there having his boat and go out and feed his family. Yet a man whom Jesus named Cephas, meaning rock, walked on water. Jesus knew the full potential of Peter, regardless of the environmental elements that we look at in our own human eyes and say, that restricts me from doing what God wants in my life. We don't need to get hung up in the things that we can see with our own eye because God has a plan in the Spirit for each and every one of us. Not those that just stand behind the sacred desk or walk up to an instrument or a microphone or a Sunday school room, but God has a plan for each and every one of us. Now that you have the presence of God in your church, what are you going to do with it? There will be a notable time in your life when you will step away from the safety and begin to walk in places that you have never, ever walked before in your life. It's all about answering the call to the church. Peter did not have uh, Jesus take him by the hand and pull him out of the boat, but he merely called him. He called him. Our faith takes us to the boat. We can stand at the rail of wonder, at the balcony of the ship, 
And I've done it myself. I've never been on a cruise ship, but I've been out on a fishing vessel several times and, and watched the waves come at us and begin to watch as the uh, captain would say, now we're in the right place. This is where we're going to fish. And we look around, and all I seen was water. But he knew where we needed to be. He knew the area. He knew the lay of the land, if I could say it that way. We never go beyond looking at the Lord on the water, and we'll look out, and we'll see the mighty hand of God. And we'll sit there and say, oh, what a great service, or... I thank God and we'll give a testimony and thank Him for His goodness and we'll look at it and say, God surely is touching my life. But you have to go beyond the chill. You have to go beyond the goosebumps of a service for you to get to the depths of what God has laid out before you. We pride ourselves in listening to the Lord when He has asked us to get into the boat. What I mean by that as we pride ourselves in saying, I'm in the church of the living God. I have a date and time I can say that God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I'm in the church. Bless God. And we celebrate those times. My family, in June, I think we have three or four of my family members receive the Holy Ghost between myself and some of my children in the month of June. And we celebrate those milestones. And we see Xander, I think, just celebrated one year last month of being filled with the Holy Ghost. But son, you don't stop there. That is just your first step in this path called life. Don't look around and see other people who have satisfied themselves sitting on a church pew. This is your time to shine. You may only be 10 years old, but God has many more paths and steps He's wanting to take you on in this thing called life. You can make a difference in the lives around you. Don't rely on adults to lead you and say, well, I'll wait because they're older. They know more about the Bible. You know about Jesus Christ, and that's all that matters. You have a testimony. That is all that matters. You have the Word of God in your hand. That is all that matters. Make a difference. But the boat is not the destination. God does not have a cruise line. We have Spirit Airlines. We do not have Holy Spirit cruise lines. There is no such thing. Just because you got in the boat doesn't mean you're going to stay in the boat. You can go one way or the other. You can go the way of the world, or you can heed the call of Jesus Christ. If your plan is just to sit in the boat until time has had no more and you're called from this life to the next, you are missing the boat. Because the plan, the boat is the, is the, the vessel to get us from one place to another. It's not to where we get up there and we say, look at the beautiful glassy seas. Look at the fish that are swimming around us. It's to take us to Him. It is the vessel we get into to go from one place to the next. Not for us to float aimlessly around in a sea and never talk to anybody about Jesus Christ. God will never push you to your destruction. Only the devil will try to destroy you. But God, He alone will push you to your destiny if you will just heed the call of Jesus Christ. I want to take us to a familiar passage of Scripture. 
in Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. God has called us all. Not for our own purpose, but to fulfill his purpose in us and in the world. You may have plans for your life, but I'm going to tell you the way it is. If you're focused on your plans, you're missing it. If it's all about your plans and your timeline and how everything has to be orchestrated, you're missing Romans 8 and 28. You have missed it entirely. You have taken a verse of scripture and says, that doesn't align with me. All I have to do, and we'll get to it here in just a moment, if I tell everybody that I love God, everything's going to work out. But that is not what the Bible says. We all believe God called us out of a life of sin and reproach. But if we don't listen to him call us out of the boat, we are not heeding to our destiny. We can become contempt in the boat and riding a church pew to complacency is not fulfilling your destiny. And I'm not the bishop, but I can tell you that if you're not teaching Bible studies, you're not fulfilling the destiny. If you're not telling somebody about Jesus Christ, you're not fulfilling destiny. You are selfish and you are carnal. If you can't tell somebody about Jesus, you are missing the message. It's not just for the preachers of this church and the teachers of the Sunday school to tell everybody about Jesus Christ. And if you want to be a pansy and say, well, I'll just live my life and they'll see Jesus through me, you're missing the message. You're not living the word of God. They'll never see Jesus. You have to tell them. You have to compel them. And you have to heed the call. If you're willing to sit in the boat and be complacent, there's several options that will happen. The worst case, you will backslide. If your focus is not about finding Jesus and about how comfortable you can be being a Christian, you will backslide. You'll walk away from God. If it's all about, I can just sit here on a pew and do what I need to. Oh, that's my favorite song. Oh, that's a good passage of scripture. You'll even come up and tell the preacher, good word of God. But if it doesn't change you, if it doesn't get you at the balcony of the boat of the church, looking out saying, Jesus, where are you? Where are you, Jesus? I can't see you. God, call my name. If you can't, if the word of God doesn't stir you to a place to where you're seeking after him, you're just in the boat for a ride. Becomes easier to heed the call of Satan. You can hear the stories, the legends talked about, the sirens calling out to the men on the boat, and they would plug their ears with wax so they could sail past uh, the islands and not heed the call of those that trying to dash their ship against the rocks. But the problem with that is when you plug your ears, you can no longer hear anything else around you. You have dulled your senses. If you can say, I'm just going to go down in the bottom of the ship and I'm just going to wait it out. The answer is looking for that horizon, saying, Jesus, where are you? I need your presence. We find the disciples in Matthew chapter 8. 
If you'll turn there with me, Matthew chapter 8, we have a portion of Scripture we'll read, verse 26 through 27. This is Jesus had just healed Peter's mother-in-law. We have this transition of the boat going for the possessed man that was possessed with the devils. And we find in verse 26, and it says, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Jesus showed them that he had power over the elements with just the word of God. He showed them that he can do something just with the spoken word of God. And I'll briefly mention what happened with my father this last week to where he was healed and in the hospital at KU Medical Center. There was no one that could go. Bishop asked about it. I inquired. We got on the phone with the nurses. They said, no one can come in. There was no opportunity for a minister to walk in with a bottle of oil and say, Brother Goff, we're here to pray for you, and we believe that God is going to heal you. That did not happen. But there was a cry out for the Word of God. And we began to call upon the name of Jesus. And God did a mighty work. I found out afterwards, after I testified Tuesday night, my father, I was talking to him, and he says, the doctors come to them, him and said, this machine never fails. This is our go-to test. Without fail, it always works. But I thank God for the power of His Word. We can go on looking in Matthew chapter 14. And we'll look again at a portion of the text that we read. Matthew chapter 14 in verse 26. And it says, When the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Then Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down into the, out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. It was a lesson that we find, and we can read on down where they said, um, in the text it talks about after they had seen what had transpired with Jesus and with Peter, what they had said, they were in wonder and awe in earlier verses of Scripture. But we find that they said, but thou art the Son of God. He confirmed to them through His Word that He was an, an, it was an extraordinary man, that He was one who could walk on the water, but He had dominion over things at His beckon call. He was able to walk on water whenever the men were just sailing through it. They thought that was what would constrain them. The safety was the boat, but really the safety was outside the boat, walking with the one who could talk to the winds and the waves and say, peace be still. You think you're safe sitting on a pew, but you're not. You need to understand that. You can be backslidden tonight. You can say, oh, I showed up to church in time for prayer. That does not save you. Answering the call to Jesus will save you. Stepping out of the boat and say, God, change me. Do something different in my life. That'll save you. 
Get it through our mind that just showing up is not salvation. Doing something takes you to salvation. We have to answer the call in our life. And if you will allow me, there are many types of calls in our life. And I want to discuss a few of them to ensure that we understand what God is trying to talk to someone tonight. I'll reference a few personal ones. As a child growing up, my father had a very distinct whistle. And we would play in the neighborhood. And it felt like we would be miles away out playing in the woods. And, and we would go out and play with our friends in the neighborhood and ride our bikes everywhere. And then all of a sudden, I would hear this very distinct whistle. And it would just freeze me. And I would say, my father needs me. It was time to come home. It was time for me to respond. And I can promise you that if I did not respond to the call that my father was giving, my father would then find a vehicle and find me and find discipline upon my seat because I did not listen to my father. Regardless if I say, oh, that's just dinner time. That's not upon me to determine the value of the call. That's upon the call of the father. We can play games in church. We can laugh and chip-chat while the word of God is going forth or the worship service is going or during tithe and offering being given. We can chip-chat and think it's all funny, something's humorous, but we are not listening to the call when those things happen. When it's church time, guess what it is? It's church time. We have to hear the call. We have to be able to hear the Father say, lift your hands a little higher or pray to me a little more. Give a little more of yourself. We have to heed the call. And no matter what's going on in our life, we have to hear it. Distractions in life can make a call. Currently, you may call me very simple-minded, and I feel that I am. But there is a bird that has a song that has been eluding me for over a year. If there is a fellow bird brain such as myself, I welcome your assistance in my quest to find out just what this bird is. First, let me tell you about the call. When it sings its song in the morning, it cuts through the air. Every other bird that I hear begins to be distant, and this one begins to make its beautiful song in the morning. I've lived in Kansas City in this area in the Midwest my entire life. And I've never had a bird be able to catch my ear. I've been working from home and have the window open, have my headphones on the over ear, I can't hear anything else going on, and have my microphone where I'm talking on a conference call. And all of a sudden, I'll hear that bird come through the microphone, and I just freeze. I'm like, there it is. There, what is it? It's doing it again. It's so beautiful. It's so clear, it's so crisp and clean that it just goes through everything of what I'm doing. I have reached out to uh, amateur and professional researchers and asked them, saying, what is the name of this bird? I have reached out to people in other countries because they captured it when they were out in the wilderness talking about where they were at, and all of a sudden you hear that same bird that I hear in Kansas City where they're at in another country. And I just froze. I was like, there's that bird again. I can't seem to locate it. 
Still, I don't know the identity of the bird. It is a sad state for people to hear the voice of Jesus and never know what it really is. He's counting on you to cut through all of that mess in their lives to come in and say, let me tell you about Jesus. And you begin to share your testimony. And then they begin to say, I've heard about this man. I've heard scriptures, but I didn't quite know how it all fit together. I didn't understand how to be baptized. I didn't understand what salvation really meant. I didn't understand what the Word of God truly was. It is our job to come deliver and say, I can tell you about this man called Jesus Christ. I can tell you what he's done for me. I can share with you the written word of God and take you through scripture after scripture where he's calling you as a sinner to his place. And you begin to commune with him. Another call, lastly, that I will mention is a call to the ministry. And I have vivid memory of the service that I felt that I was in when I felt the call to the ministry in my life as a young man. What was different about this call is that those people that God had placed in authority in my life were waiting for me to come tell them something they already knew. I didn't go talk to anyone and them say, okay, that's kind of, okay, kind of caught me off guard, but I'll pray with you about this. No, it was, I've been waiting. I knew this all along. It's God's timing. I had to hear the call for myself in order for it to be a call. For it to be otherwise, someone would be telling me that I was called to preach. And in those dark moments when it seemed like life was upside down and did not know and feel like I was being used in the kingdom of God, I can now go back and say, God... You called me. You put a call on my life. I didn't have my mama tell me, my grandmother tell me, my grandfather, or anybody else in the church. But God, you called me. Cleave to the call that God is putting in your life. We are to be called according to his purpose. We are to be called according to what God wants in our life. And I don't mean to bore you, but we still have a long ways to go, so just hang with me. We're going to end up in Romans chapter 8. We read Romans chapter 8 in verse 28, and we can say, as I said before, because I love God, everything is going to be okay. But the promise is for those who answer the call according to His purpose. It tells us in Romans chapter 8, We'll look in verse 29, and this is right after we were read, called according to his purpose. We'll continue on in this verse of scripture. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, he also glorified. When we read this passage of Scripture, we find that it is being talked about the collective body of Christ. 
And you can beat yourself up and you can try to read this as I have and say, well, how does God pick me and, and make me into the kingdom of God? What he's telling us is that when you're in the church, the church is protected. The church is a place of refuge. The church has been tried and true over time, years, kings, rulers, no matter what it is, the church has always been the church. God has chosen a church. The collective body of Christ has been called out of a life of sin. And when we walk according to His will, we have access to His promises. And if I could say this, we will never change the church. The church was meant to change us. I don't care what idea you think it is that the church needs to conform to before it becomes palatable, before you'll share your testimony, you cannot change the church. You are diminishing your testimony when you think it has to align with your ideas and how others should perceive God through you. You have trying to do something that's against the word of God. It says his word is forever settled in heaven. And in this year, in this day, how dare you try to think that I will only share his word when it meets my expectation. We have to meet the expectation of the word of God in order for it to be effective in this world. You can try to go against the devil on your own authority. But you know what he's going to say? By whose authority do you come against me? And if you can't say Jesus Christ, you're going to lose. If you think I can do this on my own, you'll find out. You'll walk out the door. You'll find out strength is in the power of the name of Jesus Christ. There is power in being in the church. John chapter 17. We're going to find Jesus praying. He had just prayed for his disciples. He is now going to pick up in verse 20. We find where Jesus begins to pray for the believers, the church. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. That they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I and thee, and they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one even as we are one. We find that Jesus was changing the focus. As he went from the disciples, he begins to focus on the church. Just as we read about in, uh, in Romans chapter 8, and we began to read in verse 29, and we talked about the predestination of the church. Jesus began to talk about the church while he was praying in the garden, saying, listen, there's something special about the church. Because when you're in the church, you become one with me. That is, you have tapped into things that are not available to you when you're outside the church. If I could dare say, the only way you can have available resources to you that we find in the Word of God is when we step beyond just riding in the boat and we listen to the call when He says, Come, Peter, and we listen. That is when the depths and the riches and the knowledge of God begin to impact our life in such a way to where it's not just Jesus. But He's more than a man. He's more than just a crucifix. 
He's more than just someone who walked here on earth and had sandals upon his feet and began to experience the thing, same things that we did. But when we become one with him, and as pastor says, it's not about the spirit of unity, but it's about the unity of the spirit. That is when you go to the next depths of the word of God. And we can say, God, what do you want in my life? And you listen to his word and you obey. And he begins to plot a course in your life. And before you know it, you'll see your feet are over the edge of the boat. And they're starting to get wet. And he says, come. And your life will never be the same again. Your life will never be the same. There were millions of people who walked through on dry ground. Peter, you have an exclusive membership of those who have walked on water. You have an exclusive status for someone who has stepped out on faith and says, I'll listen. I'll do what you're calling me to do. I'll heed the call. We as the church, we are identified as one based on separation from the world. When we answer the call under the unity of the Spirit, you may ask, the evidence of the Holy Ghost is an indication that I surrendered my life. But you know what it is? However, comma, your life of surrender was based upon what you were at at that point in time. You were focused on getting rid of sin. You had an altar saying, I'm sick of the life that I am, and I surrender myself to you. And we can say, God, that's the only point in time I need to surrender in my walk with you. But that is not true. God is asking us to continually give of ourself every day. Every time we pray, we're saying, God, take from me. Take it away. I don't want to hold on to this any longer. The house, the car, the possession, my ideas, what I think, it's all you. God has called us to surrender. We are called for so much more. If most of you probably look in Romans chapter 8, the top of one of the passages that the writers have segmented for us, you'll see it says more than conquerors. How can you be more than victorious? How can you be more than victorious? And that is what really is trying to happen when you look at Romans chapter 8. It says, but we are not in the flesh. We're in the spirit. We are debtors not to flesh, but to live after the flesh. If you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if you live through the spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. For as many are led of the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. It's beautiful when you begin to look at these scriptures and begin to understand. It's not just so make me feel good when I read Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It's to take me to a whole nother place. It's to take me to a place that not too many people go. And if I be honest, not too many churches go there. They're satisfied. They hit 150 and they say, this is comfortable. Look at the pews. Look how good we've got it. We're successful. Sunday school rooms are packed out. If we do anything more, we're going to have to build. We're going to have to do something different. It's going to get tighter. Someone's going to sit on my pew. It's just going to be a little more constrained. But church, God is calling us, and he has laid out a clear 
path for us to answer his call tonight. You may be bored out of your mind, but I promise you, the word of God that he has given me, I'm not missing it. I know exactly where I'm at right now in the word of God. You may think, preacher, just keep on, and I'll ride this one out, and I won't change, but you know what? you just be riding in a boat, and you'll become a statistic. But God is not saying, don't do that. He's saying, don't do that. He's not saying, just become a passenger. Ticket, please. That's not what he's saying tonight. He's saying, throw away the ticket. Try trying to give yourself a status on the ship, saying I'm stepping out on faith, and God is going to change my situation and change me. And it's not about the boat, but it's about the walking on the water with Jesus Christ. Answer the call to the church. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to His purpose. God uses all things. And when I said, how can we be more than victorious? It is when God changes your definition of victory. That is when you become more than conquerors. Because it says all things. Not just the things that I like, I want, I want to testify about. But it's the things that you have to pray about. Prayer request on Thursday night. Call somebody and say, will you help me pray? All things. When you can be satisfied with all things, you're more than a conqueror. Because then you've allowed God to define victory. Webster's Dictionary cannot supersede what God thinks is victorious in your life. When our pursuit of the Spirit leaves the outcome up to God and not to what makes us comfortable, we can be victorious in a whole new way. Some of us are just happy to be able to walk in and say, I made it another day. I'm just glad to be here. The Word of God says you can be more than conquerors. You can be happy to be here and glad you came and you're going to do something about it and not just exist through a service and walk out the same way. You become more than conquerors when you throw yourself into a service and you say, I don't care if I'm the only one worshiping. I want more from God. Because He has changed my opinion of what victory really is. Hope is the path through turmoil. Romans chapter 8, verse 24. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for? But if we hope for what we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, For we know not what we should pray, for as we we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us 
with groanings which cannot be uttered, and that he searcheth the hearts, knowing what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Not to what makes you happy. Not to what makes you want to stand up and say, if I could only testify about this, everybody would think I'm spiritual. It's about the will of God in your life. We have hope. We are saved by hope. Hope. Definition of hope is the desire. Let me phrase it this way. A desire with an expectation of fulfillment. It doesn't mean that it has already been fulfilled as it talks about. If it's already been fulfilled, there is no hope. It's already there. It's already happened. But we have this consolation in Jesus Christ. We have this hope in Him knowing everything will be all right. It may not look like it right now. You may have a bad doctor's report. You may have a bad letter that's sitting on your table waiting for you to go and address it when you get home and send a bill off tomorrow. Or you may have something that's bad news. But let me tell you what. If you can be a more than conquerors, if you can have hope in Jesus Christ, knowing He will fulfill it. We are saved by hope. The expectation that God will see us through. We come right back to all things. We can have hope in all things. Knowing I'm in the church. But not just on a membership role. But I'm in the church. I'm pressing forward. I'm going upward and onward. I'm not satisfied with what things are right now. I'm being in the pursuit of God. We read these scriptures, and we begin to look at them, and they're really good scriptures. And you get to verse 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, that's a very good verse of scripture. But if you're not in the church, this is not available to you. If you're not heeding the call. It's just a verse of Scripture. Because you have to be 100% sold out, a part of the church of the living God. You have to have your consolation in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Not on the nest egg of money or the credit card with the high limit or the resources of a family member that's about to pass away and make you wealthy. That is not your hope. It is not the boss that's going to give you a bonus or promote you because you're doing a good job. That is not where hope lies. Our hope lies in Jesus Christ. He is the author and the finisher of our faith. He is the one who controls our destiny. I put my hope in Him. When I reconcile my expectation to His purpose, nothing can defeat me. Verse 33. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justify. Commentators state that it would be considered absurd for the same one that says, They justify the same one to pronounce us right in their sight and then in turn, on the other hand, condemn us. God has given us all a path forward. This church has had a path that as we go to each service, it begins to get extended further and further. But it only begins to get revealed to those that walk through it. Before you know it, you're going to be sitting back there saying, oh, what a good service we had back in January. 
and that's tied you over, but you don't understand the move of the Spirit that God has been having in every service. There's this tidal wave that God is pushing forward for this church. And He's going to pour out revival in this church. Those aren't just candy stick words. Those aren't just catchphrases. Those aren't just things that should elicit, oh yeah, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Pastor. Or yes, Brother Golf. Or yes, Brother Hilden. And you say, yeah, that's going to happen. I'm telling you, God is setting the stage for something great in this church. In verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died. It is the ultimate authority over everything that has control of your situation. You might as well yield yourself to it. Verse 35, we read this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distresses or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. That don't sound like a safe place. We like to skip over some of these verses of Scripture. People are losing their lives. Things that are bad are happening. But it, go, it says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? When you heed the call of Christ, nothing can separate you from Him. Because that means you are locked eye to eye. When you're walking on the waters, you're looking Him in the eye. We all know what happens to Peter when he took his eyes off of Jesus. But the answer is looking at Jesus, focused on Him, allowing Him to guide us. And it takes us through all of these things. It doesn't say that these things will not happen to us, but when they come, nothing shall separate you from Christ. Nay, in verse 37, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Who's that? It's Christ. It's listening to His call. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come. And we jump up to 39. But I want us to look at something in verse 38. It says nothing, nothing about your past. It does not even reference your past. If you... Well, hang on to your past. It'll diminish your faith in God. Because you have put more faith and trust and attention and focus on your past than you have on your present and things to come. You need to stop focusing on your past. And say, God, I hear your voice and I'm going to listen to your call. I'm going to do something about it this time. I'm going to listen, and I'm not going to let the devil beat me up over my past. Just because I feel like I've been dirty and rotten and wrapped up in things in life, that I would be ashamed if someone was to air my dirty laundry. I can tell you this for myself. So would I. So would I. So would Bishop. We would be all embarrassed if, if the devil was be able to pull out a scroll and say, look what they did on this date. Look what they thought about on this date. Look what they said on this date. We would all be ashamed. But he says, if you're focused on me, 
The past is already taken care of under the blood. What's got you going forward is listening and heeding to the call of Jesus Christ. Yes, Peter, even water under your feet. Peter showed us what happens when you take your eyes off of the spirit and focus on the physical. Because it says, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be to be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Can we stand this evening? I felt impressed while I was praying to mention something before I close. Pastor, when you prayed, I believe it was two Tuesday nights ago, we didn't have preaching. What a powerful move of God we had in this house. And Pastor, you laid your hands on me, and I feel something different. Not that I become more spiritual, but there's been things that I've wrestled with, my thorn in the flesh. It's through a different lens now. I feel like God has given me a special place of grace and victory over what has been something that buffeted me my entire life. I don't feel like I'm the only one that had that happen that Tuesday night. But I feel that some of you are stepping back instead of seeing the path forward. God wants you to step out on faith and walk over what He has given you victory on. But you're looking at Him and say, we've been around each other all these years. I've never been able to have victory. But God has given you victory over it. And you're yet to acknowledge the power and the might of what has happened in that service. And you're hung up on, yeah, that's a good service. It was a little different. We didn't have preaching. But I'm telling you, God delivered some of you. And you're still hanging on to something you shouldn't hang on to. You need to claim victory over those things and walk on. Put your Holy Ghost footprints on them and go follow Christ. And stop trying to hang on to the past. Because we realize that if we have hope in the past, we have lost all hope. God is preparing this church to step out and have unprecedented revival. I was talking to Brother Johnson this morning. Pastor mentioned it. He says, this is what I've wanted my entire life. And I can echo those very same words. I have never been in a revival church. I grew up in a church, Bonner Springs. We had small church the entire time I went to church there. We had powerful church. We had people get healed and signs and wonders. But there was not an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I prayed and prayed for the Holy Ghost and never received the Holy Ghost and mighty patriarchs that come through and preach revivals and signs and wonders would happen and I would go kneel down at that altar and never receive the Holy Ghost and and I was like God what is wrong with me and I went to another church and there was years probably 15 years I was the last person to receive the Holy Ghost at one of those altars everybody had to go to a conference a youth camp a special meeting they would come back and say oh thank God filled so and so with the Holy Ghost but years There was a drought in the altars. But then I walk in this church and people are being filled with the Holy Ghost. Lives are being changed. Backsliders walk in. There's hope. And I say, this is what it's all about. Not that there was any less truth. 
that my grandfather preached in Bonner Springs. Not that there was any less truth that Brother Nance preached in Kansas City. But God has given us a special place. He's taken us somewhere, saints. It's time for you to really see it for what it is. You may see it as just church, but I've been around church 40 years, and I've never seen anything like this in my life. I'm invested with my whole heart, with my whole life. Everything in me says, this is right. This isn't hokey. This isn't something that, that doesn't have the power of God in it. He's changing lives, life after life after life. We pray, and He does signs and wonders. He heals people at the mention of His name by His children. It's time we heed the call and throw the cushions out of the boat and say, listen, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. I'm waiting to find him upon the waves to say, hey, come on out here. Wave me in and say, listen, master, if you would call me, I would answer and I would step out on faith. He's calling you tonight, saying your name. God wants to change you tonight. He wants to change your perspective on church. This church needs to heed the call of God. Let's lift our hands and talk to Him tonight. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. God is talking to you. It's your response. Your response that tells Him just how important His Word is to you. Not to me. But He's calling your name. He's calling you by name tonight. He's saying, come, come, Peter, come. Keep your eyes on me, Peter. Keep your eyes on me, Peter. Don't worry about the doctors. Don't worry about the bills. Don't worry about the bad news. Keep your eyes on me, Peter. We're going somewhere, Peter. Oh, let's talk to him tonight, saints. He wants to make a difference. He's trying to provoke you to a new place. Get out of the boat and listen to his call. Get your feet wet. Let your faith be strengthened in him tonight. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, yes. Talk to him tonight, saints. This is your turning point. This is your turning point, responding to the word of God. Hallelujah. Let him make a difference in your life. Let him change you. Mold you and make you. Trust in him. Hallelujah. 